Word. There you go. And Greg, you can talk right here. So my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors at Creekside Community Church in San Leandro. Uh, and Greg is our family pastor. It was a little bit of false advertising because they put me on there, but Greg's going to do more of the talking than me because he's our family pastor and has rethought a lot of this stuff. Uh, so we do not have 90 minutes of content. We wanted to make this more of a conversation, troubleshoot, and really it's a, it's a chance for us to share the only right way to do youth ministry. No, I'm just kidding. No, I, uh, we're, I thought there was a right yeah, way. Yeah, we, we found it. We found the biblical way, the biblical way to do youth ministry. No, but honestly, we made a lot of changes, and COVID helped to give us an excuse. Well, it did give us an excuse to do that. And so kind of want to share what's worked for us, what we're doing going forward, and then we'd love pushback about what's wrong with it, what's where are the gaps, because we're not convinced the model's perfect, but uh, it's better than what we had. So um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pray and then we'll jump in. So yeah, God, thank you for this time. I just pray you'd lead our conversation, Lord. It'd be fruitful, be pleasing to you and uh, extend your kingdom in some way in your name. Amen. So hopefully you got a handout. If you didn't, you guys can just grab one right here. We're up here. Here you go. You can take one. Uh, nothing too fancy here, but a quote that we have been stewing on is, uh, did anybody read Trellis in the Vine? Uh, Colin Marshall, Tony Payne, a couple Australian guys, they wrote a book on discipleship a few years back. Uh, this quote is 12 years old. So my theory is that they started the pandemic because the scenario they describe here is, uh, is a little too eerie. Like they kind of saw everything that was coming. But uh, in their book, they, they give this scenario. They say, imagine that a pandemic swept through your part of the world and that all public assemblies of more than three people were banned by the government for reasons of public health and safety. And let's say that due to some catastrophic combination of local circumstances, this ban had to remain in place for 18 months. How would your congregation, uh, I'm telling you, this is yeah, 12 years old, how would your congregation continue to function with no regular church gatherings of any kind except for groups of three? If you were a pastor, what would you do? And after going on a little bit about that thought scenario, they ask, after 18 months, when the ban was lifted and you were able to recommence, recommence Sunday gatherings and all the rest of the meetings and activities of Church Live, what would you do differently? So that's kind of the thought experiment we got to run during COVID when everything was shut down and we were able to kind of radically rethink the way we do youth ministry. And now, uh, as we come out, we're not sure what we would add at this point. And we actually kind of like what we have. So, so we've got five points. I'm going to take you through the first two. Greg's going to take you through the last three. Just kind of the evolution of our church on youth ministry, how we disciple youth. And so they're all alliterated uh, because I'm a pastor and I had to do that. So, uh, But the, the first is just the pressing dilemma. Here's what we have discovered at, at our church and... Um, You've probably read the data that depending on the survey of the denomination, somewhere between 50% and 90% of kids who grow up in the church walk away from the church. And uh, smaller the number than that, come back later in life. Only half come back later in life. Uh, Now, that changes a lot based on survey. There are a lot of confounding variables, right? What your family life is like, all those things. But but all that to say, that's 50 to 90% of kids coming through youth group Right, getting the traditional youth group experience who walk away from the faith. And often they're already gone in high school. They're not leaving the faith in college. They're already, they've already walked away. So um, how's it going? Youth? Yeah. Discipleship? No, no problem. Here, have a handout. Right. 
So all that to say, we ha- we knew those dire statistics, um, and we also had traditional youth ministry. And we kind of, the pressing dilemma was, we know this is true. We know that traditional youth programming produces this or isn't helping this, uh, and yet we just kept doing it, right? Because we didn't have a different <coughs> model. And so as we started to study, okay, what makes faith sticky, right? Like God and his providence, what does he use to keep kids in the faith? There's three big ones. Do you know what number one is? The silver bullet for kids staying in the faith? I do. Well, you do, but I know you do. It's parents, right? It, the, the, you know, the, the parents who walk with Jesus, that, that is the number one determiner for kids walking with Jesus, right? And it isn't even parents actively teaching their kids the faith. It's just parents who are actual Christians. Like if they're, if they're in the word, if they're following Jesus, the likelihood goes up through the roof, right? That the, the kids are going to stay in the faith. So that's number one. Number two, uh, predictors in terms of the data, it's uh, quality intergenerational connections in the church, right? So you have one or more people older than the youth who are spiritually invested in them, right? Who have to walk into the Bible or just a trusted source they could go to to talk about weightier matters in life. That's number two. Number three predictor is actually, is just feeling a part of the bigger church. So if a youth grows up feeling a part of the whole, right? Not just part of their youth group, but a part of the church as a whole, they're far more likely to stay in the church uh, the older they get. And that's because if they've been growing up going to worship services, serving the whole church, when they get out of high school, they're not looking for another youth group when they go to college, right? What are they looking for? They're looking for a local church to commit to and plan to. So we knew that those were the three sort of (laughs) three silver bullets to screw up the metaphor, right? Were those. Uh, And yet we just kind of had traditional youth programming. We weren't building our programming around those three priorities kept doing that for years and years. Sometimes the youth group was great, sometimes, and I think our period of disillusion, we'll call it step two, is when our former youth pastor left, transitioned out, became a missionary, and so we were left without someone to fill the role. And I think one thing we learned there, and you guys probably experienced this, if you don't have real vision and clarity about what you're gonna do in a ministry, what fills that vacuum? It's just the passion of somebody in the church who really cares about that ministry. So if you don't have a vision for it, basically the most passionate person wins. And we had a lay person who was super passionate about youth ministry. And when that person phased out, we were gonna sort of search for a new role. And the interim was this lay guy. And he said, let me run youth ministry, let me do it. And we thought, hey, he's the best available. And basically, he took youth programming to the nth degree of fun, right? He said, we're going to make this fun. We're going to be focused on the community. And here's the thing. It worked. Uh, you know, we're about a mid-sized church. We were four or 500 people. We had over 100 high schoolers, middle schoolers come to our church every Friday night. Uh, most of them non-believers, people far from God, families far from God. On the face of it, it seemed like there was a ton of momentum. Uh, we ran that experiment for a couple years. Everyone involved in the ministry burned out. Um, just the amount of work it took to put that on every Friday night. And by the end of it, he burned out. In fact, he was so conflicted over it, he would say, I quit, I don't quit, I quit, I don't quit. Finally, we said, you're, you're schizophrenic about this, man. You just need to step away. And so we just said, we're going to take this from you. What was fascinating is the minute we killed it, we had zero retention rate of families in the church. Zero. So from you know, 100, 120 kids and their families marginally involved in the church to none, and that was sort of the lesson of learning what you win them with is what you win them to, right? And that's where we kind of finally learned that lesson, cemented it, that we're keeping them with fun, we're attracting them with fun, it's all icing, there's no substance, right? And we lost all of them. And so that really 
I think catalyzed us to rethink the entire way we thought about what are we actually going to do to build up the next generation and, and what actually makes faith sticky. So this guy right here, he was, uh, Greg, you were in our church for a long time before you became a pastor. Um, how long? Long time, like 20 years? 20 years, yeah. So Greg was a sewage engineer with the EPA. Yeah, sewage, water pollution. You were a, you were a clean water specialist. Are you down? I just want to keep that clear in your mind. Thank you, Greg. Well, Greg spent his life cleaning up crap, and then he figured it'd be easy to go to the church and clean up crap there, too. Yeah, a very smooth transition. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and, and we had known at that point that whoever we hired in a full-time role for, for youth was going to be more of a family role, and that's what we brought Greg in to do, was to really integrate what we were doing from birth through young adult families and all that. And Greg sort of had carte blanche to just recreate the whole thing around the three priorities, right? Three priorities of what makes faith sticky, right? Parents who actually love Jesus, <laughs> that's, that's the number one determiner. Number two is intergenerational connection. And number three is involvement in the broader church. So Greg really tried to build all of the way we thought about youth ministry around that. And then Greg's going to share about that and what the pandemic helped us to do. So Greg, sit here and talk here because I'm recording and this is going to work. All right. So that's so I was hired in as the family pastor and uh, it, with with those convictions, as he stated, and yet um, uh, turning the ship is difficult and it didn't turn. I mean, we we continued doing what we were doing and the lay pastor, the lay leader, he uh, continued to do what he was doing and we had a hundred kids come from the neighborhood and zero retention and then when he burned out then uh we were left with what should we do and we sort of reverted back to well i guess we'll do regular youth ministry because they didn't have any other idea although in the back of my head it's like i think i would like to have the kids in smaller discipleship groups where there's a leader an adult and the kids so we started doing a couple of them some of them started up um prior to covid but then when COVID hit, um, the kids had no contact with anybody. They were just sitting in their houses. They're just doing Zoom, Zoom school and all of that. And when we proposed, hey, why don't some of the kids, why don't you come and meet with the adult leader at their house? You know, because you could meet at church, meet at their house. Um, the kids just jumped at it. And we were able to, uh, uh, so that... Through COVID, our church shrank by about 30% in numbers, in attendance. Um, a lot of new people, so it was actually a real turnover of people as well. So our church shrank quite a bit, and our youth group increased. The, the youth that are involved in these groups um, increased tremendously. Um, we were, we would, I would say we had about 120, 120 youth, 120, 150 youth. Um, prior to COVID, and of that, maybe 20% were participating in something, either in a midweek event or the Sunday school itself. 20% was probably a high number. 30, 36 would be the most we'd ever have in anything. And um, now after COVID, we're smaller, and we have um, about 50, um, over 50, 55 kids that are engaged in one of these youth discipleship groups and uh, the, the pool of youth has shrunk to 105 or so, 102. Yeah. So we're over 50% engagement of the youth now when we used to be 20%. Yeah. And I think that COVID was the reason. 
and the uh, and then the attraction of being sort of the um, what the church really is. You're being discipled by somebody. Yeah. You're walking with somebody. You're close to some people that are with you, peers. Uh, you know, it's it's Jonathan and David, yeah. and then there's a Nathan in their life, and it, that the closeness of that really, I think took off and there's been a lot of success I think for that reason in that way <clears throat> the the keys were you had to have enough leaders that were really Bible literate love kids and Bible literate and um, maybe not even just love kids the kids love them yeah that they were they were yeah. somebody that that kids would be drawn to and want to sit with and want to be like so that was probably the key is finding enough of those adults that would want to do it and we were able to and we found them by essentially personal understanding of who people are in the church, not through a program or we didn't have a training program or a recruitment or anything like that. So it's very organic what happened. It was a very organic pruning of everything. Yeah. We don't do we don't do any midweek youth groups at all, and we don't have a Sunday school. We don't have a people show up to to a church. If you're a youth, you come into the big service, yeah. and. Uh, so there's pitfalls to that, but there's real big advantages. The advantages are the closeness of those groups, yeah. closeness to another adult. There's a statistic that we read originally that said that uh, one, of the, one of the metrics you want in a church as a goal is that every kid has five um, fire-breathing Christians <laughs> in their lives that they, that they have close connection with. Yeah. Um, people five that one. Five, five, every every kid's got five. So yeah. two are their parents if they're really, you know, their parents are that way. Yeah. Three others. And so to get that number up to three, I, I mean, at least now, right now, we're talking three. Yeah. We've got their leader leader of their group and those two, and yeah. hopefully there's some others. That was like a metric that I thought was a really measure. I was an engineer, so that's why oh, I love metrics like that. Mm-hmm. Turned so out to be. Aren't, aren't necessarily leadership, they might be peers. No, no, no. These were adults. So five, five, five adults. Intergenerational investment. Yes. Right? So yes. just, you know. Yeah. I was going to start when I got hired. I, I had that thing. Oh, yeah. I had a spreadsheet ready to go with everybody's <laughs> names. And we'll check off who's got who, you know. And right. that turned out to be too too much like an engineer than yeah. ministry. So we didn't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I would just say that this. Yeah. I think what we learned through COVID is... Right. Life isn't about solutions. It's about trade-offs, right? So it's what problem you pick, right? And so for us, in our context, this is where everything's different, what we have found is kids have the bandwidth for two things a week Yeah. in our, con- in our context. And so if you had two chances with a middle school, high schooler to impact them spiritually, what would you give them, basically? And what we've found is we have far more coverage in youth discipleship so we know for more than half our kids, they have a godly leader who's spiritually investing them every week and they're actually opening the Bible and talking about real issues in their lives. A, and then B, uh, they're coming to church and they're part of a larger service, they're serving. And so for, for us, and this could be totally different for your context, but we get those two shots a week. And if we did midweek programming, it would be two, they would not be in a youth discipleship group. They would, they would, you, have, you have to pick one, right? And, and if on we Sunday did, mornings, we did Sunday morning. Sunday school, they'd come to Sunday school and not church. So you got to pick one. And yeah. so we just looked at the predictors of stickiness and faith, and intergenerational connection and feeling a part of a larger church are two of the strongest predictors. So mm-hmm. that's where we're throwing our chips to the detriment of the other things, and we are losing some things in light of that. 
Um, we'll talk more about that. Yeah. And then the other, obviously, the biggest one is just helping parents disciple their kids because that's the number one predictor. And so, and I would say that that's that's the more difficult step, actually. I, yeah. Turning the ship so that we could do youth discipleship. Um, uh, well, I've been working six years in the position, and it's just now formed up. So it's four years, four and a half years of trying to turn the ship, and with very clear motivations all along all three of us have always clearly thought well this is the way we needed to go but it's not easy to turn what the expectations are of everybody in the church all the parents especially since if the statistic is 60 percent of the kids walk away that's the median number that right. walk away when they get to college or before and um, only half of those may come back the rest of their lives the 60 percent well, the 40% that didn't walk away are those parents in your church. And so they're the ones who thought youth group was great. Right. And so you have kind of a... Selection bias. You do. Yeah. The people in the church are going to say, we really think youth groups are great. They were great great for me, but they're not necessarily great for the kids that are going through it because they're walking away. Yeah. It, we could be wrong in that. We could be interpreting those statistics wrong. But um, right now I'm really heartily encouraged by how many kids are engaged specifically with an adult who, who's uh, Bible literate and loves them and meets with them every week, flexible. Okay, so you're back on that subject again. Oh, mm. Sorry, am I interrupting? No, 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 no I want that because we don't have any material. I'm yeah. totally intrigued by the idea that it, you made a, almost a side comment. It's got to be an adult that the kid loves. Yep. Yes. And so what I'm wondering is if you've identified what it takes in an adult to be loved by kids. Are there, is there a mm-hmm. list of attributes? Is there a three things that adults well, have to have? Probably the, that's a great work. question. The first, the first thing is, do their kids love them? Yeah. I mean, we, they, generally, if they're a parent, their kids really love to be well, around their, their dad. Their kids want to be around them. Want to be around their dad, want to be around their mom. Sketchy. It is sketchy, but still. Isn't part of growing up, like rejecting your parents at some stage? <laughs> well, it's not that we would take that. We would. We, it's not that we would take that kid and put them in their parents' discipleship. Right. right. But it's that if they have a bond with their parents through high school, that's a great indicator that they're going to be able to connect with another kid yeah. that age. So, I mean, one thing about the recruitment strategy, we have not looked for people who are passionate about youth ministry. No. We've looked for people who disciple their own kids well, who we think would be safe harbor for some students in the church, and just at, told them, do you want to make some disciples? Yeah. And then just recruit them that way instead. And so it's been much more of a whole church strategy for discipling than trying to create a ministry program, right? Yeah. Yes. So you, you're also doing family ministry. Yes. So is there a part of your church then that is in the training aspect of the parents in instructing their children into the Word. Like, I remember when I first became a Christian. I didn't come until I was 33 years old. But I remember when we came into the church, the first thing we said, well, you know, we took them to the Sunday school and expected them to learn from the Sunday school. But the first thing they told us was, no, that's your job to train your children. And we took that to heart. That's great. But how much of the church is not telling the parents that... Really, the church is there to help and to assist, but really it's the parents' job to do that. And being yeah. the family ministry, you know, is that part of what your church is teaching? Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's central. I, I don't know if we uh, hit that point 
as often as we ought to or as strong as we ought to. And that's my responsibility. And I've not done a great job of consistently messaging that. In fact, we're going to preach a mini-series coming up really yeah. soon here on this stuff because we need to re-message it to our people. Because the, the, the concepts for us are parents discipling kids, but not just that, it's one generation discipling the next, right? So it, every Christian should be concerned about youth ministry in that sense, that every mm-hmm. the whole church commends the works of the Lord to the next generation. And so you should be invested in someone younger so so i i think that that's a, that's the more the more difficult aspect actually the harder to harder portion of the ship to turn is the mm-hmm. is the parents and in particular they they do not have or see that they need to have um any more instruction into their life uh, are you going to call them on another day are they going to come in on a saturday morning are they going to how are you going to how are you going to um impact that change the thinking when they're coming for for uh, bringing their kids and themselves to church, and maybe they bring their kids to to uh, youth discipleship groups, but maybe not. That those are there's one lady that goes and picks up the kids. So I I guess the that part's been difficult. How do you, how does that work into? Cause it turns it turns out that the same 15 families that were doing everything are the ones that will show up to those seminars or something like that. Yes, sir. Do you think I'm wrong? No, I know. Really? I, I, I wanted to finish answering uh, Neil's question. Neil's oh question yeah, yeah. About what you know, what kind of adults are you looking for? To lead yeah, groups? yeah. I'm looking yeah, for said, ones ones that their kids like them. Yes. What, yeah. What else would you have? The Bible literate, and we know it. That that they really that's are. Not what the kids like about them? No, no, nope. no, no. But that's that's our criteria. <laughs> what the kids like about the like adults? About them? That's what I'm asking. Actually, it's kind of it's that's actually not true in a way. I, if you really will engage them in what they say, and you come from the Bible, um, uh, all the groups of which the kids are talking to those adults, they just keep coming with more questions. They want to they want to ask their questions. Uh, we made mistakes early on about getting enthusiastic people for youth ministry yeah. who did not have the ability to speak from the word and their answers and uh, or even to think in that way and um, uh, this was a very conscious decision at this point only people that we know from other reasons we know that they're they are very literate competent able to speak from the word well the other I think other winnowing factor here yeah. is that we asked them to make a long-term investment oh, yeah. to the kids in that we say, you know, if you come in with a sixth grader, the goal is to walk with them to college yeah. if you're here. Yeah. Uh, because you're not signing for a program, you're signing up for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And and so, that you know, what, when are you going to end the relationship, right? <laughs> if you're discipling, you're not going to, that's not how this works, right? And so that that helps to kind that's of tear actually, down yeah. um, the people who... We don't know if that will work in the end. I mean, that's that's what we want. But we, that's our ideal. That's right. If, if we're thinking about it from what will make the faith sticky for the students, yes. that, we're not thinking about what's convenient for the leaders. We're thinking about what would be best for yeah. the students and trying to reverse engineer the thing. So, yeah. Yes, keep going. I, I think another thing you've done, which you're really good at, is you really push being non-condemning oh, yeah. and, and, and really creating a safe spot for these kids where they can ask any question yeah. um, and, and be heard. And uh, so you're really good at, at helping people to be positive and to be listeners mm-hmm. uh, as, as necessary for helping these kids. So you're not, you don't get kind of people who've got always give the answer. 
No. Well, you answered my question at a certain level, too, in the sense of that longevity aspect of it, because what we've discovered over the years with the youth ministry is that what kids need to know is that you're there. Yes. Period. Mm -hmm. And you still will be, and you will be, and you will be. So whether it's not getting lectured or listening well, or or just physically being there for six years, right? that stuff, that draws. You can be an idiotic personality type as an adult, right? You, you can be a geek, you can be a whatever, that is a turnoff to kids and the cool factor, but the presence thing overpowers that. Yeah, yeah. And kids are looking for that. They, they need it, and they know it if they can't even articulate it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. The, yeah. the other thing I'm just going to add that Greg has done a good job of in terms of thinking about youth discipleship is, you know, making disciples of all the nations. You talk about the youth are another nation. Yeah. So, so that we don't, instead of viewing the kids in the church as, well, they're here, so they're saved, and now they need to conform and become awesome, mature Christians, to say they're probably not saved. They're probably still investigating. They're, they're an unreached people group that we're trying to reach. So we view them more like an unreached people group as missionaries rather than, you know, hard discipleship, moral conformity no. kind of stuff. Because no, what we I found again and again yeah. is, and I was this kid to a certain degree, although you did a good job. So, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it's that you're told in high school, if you're a leader, you're mature, right? You're spiritually mature and you know the Bible and all this stuff. Then you go to college, right? And this wasn't me, but like you, you know, you get drunk and have sex, right? When you get there, and then you go, I'm not, I'm not even a Christian. This is all a lie. I walk away mm-hmm. because I was told, right, that I'm this mature Christian, and apparently I'm not. And so it was all a myth, as opposed to saying, no, like you're, you're still in the process of learning what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah, the 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 <laughs> speaking to the parents when we have the chance to speak to the parents, we want to reiterate that 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 the Jesus says go. Um, make disciples of all nations and that your kids are another nation. They have different leaders. They'll sing different songs. They have different things that they watch or read. They have different languages. Yeah. They, they are actually just about as uh, foreign to you as if, as if you lived in Saudi Arabia. Right. I, they, they are so different, yeah. but, but that you're sent to them. And yeah. so they're right there in your midst and you're sent to them. That, that idea is a paradigm shift idea for parents, and we have reiterated that. Um, and then, you know, when they get to college, you want it to be that, that you've talked about um, Christ, his gentleness, essentially, his safe harbor, yeah. the safe harbor nature of Christ, so that what we say is when they have their moral failure, yeah. when it happens, yeah. that they, they run to your parents and they run to the church. Yeah. They want to hear from God. They want to hear from you. And not the other way that a lot of people go was when they have their moral failure, they run away from their parents and run away from the church. I think that that's the stickiness is that that uh, there's nothing that that he's got this great line. It's it's essentially he says, um, well, that's normal. (laughs) That's one of his lines, you know, whatever you tell them, you know, that's normal. (laughs) That's what people would think. You're you're okay. You're normal. And that here's the direction to go. <laughs> so just that sense that you can be the safe harbor. Um, we want the youth discipleship groups and their leaders to be 
emulating that particular I love thing. That that you would even have that openness to realize that that's normal. You know, I'm here, the church is here for you. I love what you said, you know, that longevity. Is that so important in a kid's life? You know? Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I agree with you guys. I, you know, I, I was doing youth ministry, not pastor, but I was involved. Yes. And in my early 20s, I'm in my 40s now, so 20 plus years of experience. Yeah. I, I think 10 years ago when I started helping out, it's like, I think parents is half the key. Yeah. But a lot of times, it's like, they don't care. Mm. Christian parents, I'm talking about Christian parents, they don't care. They just drop the kids out of your group. You deal with it. Yeah. Like you said, that's, that's what is going on. And, you know, like today, I'm dealing with it. Is like I went to camp, you know, work with the youth, and like I don't really think she's safe. And mm-hmm. I talked to mom. Yeah, I think so too, and just that mm-hmm. from pushing hands. So I'm like, oh wow, yeah, this this going to be very difficult. Mm. Yeah. One of the things that that I like about what we're doing now as a model is that it isn't on me. I, there are ten other adult leaders that that uh, reaching to the youth and speaking into their lives and listening to them is spread out so much more um, so much more coverage so much more ability to be couldn't find anyone huh. to step up mm. interesting because uh, you know COVID, they're not coming physically. Right. yeah the youth are not coming I got half the youth at home soon yeah that happens here. Then when I you worship, they don't join online, just all we did in Sunday school. So I feel like I made a drop like you guys did. I was thinking of dropping Sunday school and just have the worship. Yeah. And then we do more organic discussion yeah. and activities. Yeah. And that's going but you know, again we got some old school thinking that I have to fight. I think the Zoom is yeah. difficult. I I don't know how this everything here runs on actually interpersonal relationship. Uh, much of them are in the backyards of somebody's house. Yeah, There's so all the boundaries fall down. Other. Yeah. Right, right. So either I don't have anything for them and they completely dis- disconnected. Yeah. Or I or you have, have to assume that they don't yeah. come, right? So I'm a loose I don't know. Yeah, you're, in tough, you're in a really tough situation. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. like when I have my youth worship like just this and I had a couple of adults here. I got my sons. Yeah. And none of the girls show up. They're all downstairs. And it was hanging on my wife. And after a while, I like, sent someone out, go grab them. Yeah. He came back, nobody came out. Okay. I didn't see my wife, so I know she was there. So, but I was glad because I know she would be having conversation with me. Yeah. And of course, a couple of girls didn't want to come, it's boring. <laughs> you know, I'm boring, what is that? I understand that. And, and she was able to talk to me, and they were able to explain why they didn't want to come. That's yeah. great. I'm boring, falling asleep, I think I'm bothering people, but I can tell my mom and my mom upset. And I think that's mm-hmm. an organic relationship. That's I was fully yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I, that's, I that is that's a win. Right? Because yeah, because you actually find out what's going on in their lives, which is okay, so, and isn't it isn't that an example of the model that you're talking yeah. about? Because what those kids did is they found the adult that they want to be connected to and relate with and grow in Christ with. And so you'll have some and but we've, we've always cultivated this Pied Piper thing where there's one adult who's yeah. the superhero that everyone wants to be with, and they're amazing and impressive and attractive. Yep. And what we're talking about here is abandoning that yeah. entirely and coming back. You've got a completely different scenario, though, too, Terrence, because you're San Francisco. 
and in the Chinese culture, I've noticed too that there's an, an extra special amount of you correct me if I'm wrong, fear around COVID and the illness thing. So everybody's been way more hesitant to even be face to face. I would say overall, we got a lot very conservative, fearful. I don't know, depending when they get the news. Of course, they're a group that doesn't care because they, they just have to make a living, they have to go to work anyway. Yeah. yeah. And they're a group that, you know, they didn't even send them to school for the first two weeks of this right. spring semester right. because yeah. of COVID. Uh, right. 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 Yeah, I was exactly. like, can you do that? Yeah. Is it legal? <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. Yeah. But I guess they were doing it somewhere. I'm not saying just Chinese, but, yeah. you know, there were ways. They, I think they took it out of proportion to a sense that we have to kind of culturally appropriate, you know, and how we talk about COVID, too. Because my wife is kind of, not like that, but kind of more conservative. Like, like mm-hmm. face masks on, let's not go out and uh, dine. We do outdoor dining, we do indoor dining for a while, and I was like, no, it's cool. But I won't, I feel like, you know, you'd be in line with her when you go out. Yeah. I think that's the same sense of the church overall. I, I personally get, oh, go ahead. Could, could you just tell about Lori's group? Yeah. Because I think that's a great picture of yeah. what this looks like. Yeah. So my wife leads one of the little groups, and, uh, um, it's four girls, and they're eight, 15, year, 15 years old. Uh, they're all African-American. Is that an ideal number, by the way, four? I think four, five, six is about the, the, the ideal number because somebody won't show or a couple people won't show. And, then, and if it gets below two, if it gets below three, it gets kind of stiff, the conversations in a way, it, it, at least with, the, with little kids. With youth, yeah. With youth. But anyway, so she's got that group of four, and... Um, um, she's known them, uh, two of the girls, since they were born. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the other two uh, came through our uh, community group. And known, she's known them for now seven or eight years. And so she's just stuck with them. She meets with them every week. They have all kinds of issues. Sometimes she says, I just sit there and listen. And inside, she says, I'm kind of gagging. <laughs> That's one of her lines. She says, because the stuff they say, she says, but I don't correct them or anything. I don't, I don't engage in any of the political stuff, she says, because that's not what is going to draw them. Yeah. She says, it's me being there. And when they're ready to talk about Jesus and keep them in the word. Yeah. So is that what you wanted to say? Well, yeah, just to I me, mean, these girls, this is a safe place. They can spew a lot of garbage yeah. that they're hearing at school. Do some sewage engineering there. Yeah. Friends yeah. and all this stuff, but they're, they're, they know Lori loves them. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they know she'll tell what the Bible says. Yeah. But there's just this. And I think that's just a great picture of they, what, what the. Now, not all the groups are that extreme, but they're all doing the same basic thing. It's, it's given these kids a place to process the, the world they live in. Yeah. And. and see it from a biblical lens yeah. with, a, with a loving adult. The, the thing about my wife is she doesn't like, I love you with my wife, she doesn't like youth ministry. She's a, she's a introvert and um, she, none of this is what she would ever pick to do, but because of these girls are sort of like family yeah. started out in uh, people that she's known so long, she's gone on houseboats, which is one of the most grueling camps you can do. Super hot all week, and uh, 
I was just asked her this week. Actually, one of the one of the girls asked her, "Are you going to go in houseboats this year?" And she says, "If my girls go, I'll go." Yeah. And meaning she just she yeah. never picked that. I I know her. She would not pick well, that. What were you saying? Yes. I was curious. Do you have a curriculum that they're all going through? Or are they all doing their own thing? They're they're all doing their own thing. The thing is, is that carefully picking people who are, who who have the word in their life. They follow Christ and His word. And they know the Bible, and they want that to be the central contact. That's and, the only non-negotiable is that yes. you have to open the Bible. Yes, yeah, and you so— can't, You can't pick a book. You can't—you know, like an outside book. You have to just read the Bible. It's got to be the Bible. And yeah. everybody that we've picked has been that. Yeah. And so I'm pretty confident they're going to go and and uh, uh, lead lead through the Word and make that be the impression that they had. It's a good self-selection curriculum. No, 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 they've got to just read the Bible. Bible. They, Bible. That's, yeah. But they can pick whatever Bible sure. yeah. passage, whatever they yeah. want to. Yeah, I mean, that's been a helpful self-selection process because if people really don't like them, aren't going to be driven by the Word, they're not going to be interested in just looking at the Bible straight yeah. with you. Yes, sir. So. Yeah, i got a question, though. Does your leadership of the church also, like you are encouraging these students to come to church, yep. do you add them into the sermons? Like, do you say things that would incorporate them and let them think about, like, where they're at with God? Is that part of your church, too? That's a great question. What do you guys think? Do I, how do I do that? How well do I do that? Yeah. In other words, if you speak to 12-year-olds and 99-year-olds, is that to last? 12 to 99-year-olds yeah. are services. And your, your, your daughter, who's 12, mm-hmm. she listens and she tells you, she grades it every week, she right? She does. She gives me feedback. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I do a great job of speaking to the, to the 12 to 18-year-olds. But it's into your thought pattern. Yes, yes, I yes. see them. I'm talking to them right there. I can awesome. see them. And, and so, you know, I, I guess the trade-off for us is... They can be bored in their Sunday school class or they can be bored in church at this point to a certain degree. True. And we'd rather have them get into the habit of just being in church. And be bored. And be bored. If, if, yeah. <laughs> be bored no, no, life. honestly, you know, no, no but, but to, you know, it, some of church is an acquired taste. And, uh, and, and so we try to, but I think the other thing we try to do is they're serving they're serving on worship. They're serving in tech. They're serving in greeting. They're serving in children's. In terms of Sunday morning ministry, yeah, they're right? free they're, to do that because they're not. They're free to Sunday do that because they're not. And so we're we're saying we actually need you to help, and uh, so they feel a part of the whole. Yeah, can I, can I say just to add on for just a second? Yeah, um, you use lots of personal illustrations. You tell lots of stories about yourself, and a lot of them from from your youth. Yeah, and that engages them. I mean, you're always real practical. Mm-hmm. In, uh, I mean, you don't water down what the Bible says at all. But when you get to the practical part, it's stuff that would speak to any age. Mm-hmm. I'm really think so. I think I think it does it, it does incorporate the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you said so. The question I want to yeah. ask is for your uh, like discipleship group. Yes. Do you do mixed gender or just girls group or just boys group? Yeah. Or mixed Gr- girls group only, boys group. We do we separate by uh, sex. And the leader's got to be, you know, right. same, same sex, sex no right. couples. It's same sex. Yeah. And um, and then we also divide by age, as much as you know, as many as we have. Right. If we had more kids, we'd divide it a little bit more by age, or maybe we would have multiple yeah. groups of, like, we have a sixth and seventh grade girls group right now that uh, has just exploded. It it started with about six girls, and they kept inviting kids yeah. and all that. And that yeah. that group got big. It's fifteen. And they meet uh, at church and sometimes in his backyard. And um, we have two adult leaders in that one. We might go to three because that one's growing. Um, 
I, I lead uh, the uh, high school boys, 11th and 12th grade boys, and uh, they come to my house and I feed them burritos. And uh, that's it. Three burritos, and the next thing you know, we're talking. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they're all going to be here. They're all going to be there. Uh, yeah, they, they come every every week. All of them do. They, Where's my? I, did you get mine? I have this. They have these specific things. It's it's kind of easy. You just you just get them what they want, and there they are. They, so, I think that it's in a lot of ways it's easier than youth groups. I think it's a lot. It's easier. Um, there's just not so much central planning and uh, performance and coming up with an event. Events are hard. Events are super hard. And they create expectation. Yeah. Because <laughs> you got to do them better. But these are yeah. these are just organic, and I, I think that that's probably its greatest strength. Its pitfall is that there's not a cohesion of all the youth together. That enjoyment of we were a generation together at our church. Yeah. I, we, that's we, we don't loss. have that. We don't. But we can do it once in a while. Yeah. Like get the old, the youth together. Like so. Yeah, yeah. So what we've what we've said is we want to make the, the all together event the periodic thing and discipleship the the everyday the thing. thing, right? And yeah. so that, that the normal rhythm is that, and then it, maybe once a month we'll all get together. And so, but not we haven't that, worked that part out that well. No, we haven't done a great job at that yet. So we're working on it. So go ahead. One more question I have for you is like. You know, I, I'm involved in the mission part of it. We get youth groups that come up. What would you see the role of, like, what we play in assisting the youth that come? And how can we help in the development of that? That's great. Um, well, so this is like you have Paradise on your shirt. So it's bringing, bringing people up there to help out with Paradise. I, that's like an idea has never crossed my mind before. <laughs> Uh, that idea. We, we've had um, uh, youth mission trips to Mexico. There's a church that's down there. And it. I would not say it's that sticky of, a, of an event. I don't know if the, the kids that go, do they walk with Jesus more later? I, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but if we did it instead of, like, houseboats, if we did instead of houseboats, we went up to Paradise and we worked on cabins together or whatever you do, Man, that, that sounds like a great idea, actually. Is it because it's service and you're together and it's special and they'll remember it forever. And then, but it's driven by these little youth discipleship groups of the core. So yeah. we're working together. Our, well, our how, leaders are there. How could we help you though if you were to bring a group up? How would it be that we could help assist you to draw the kids closer to what you're trying to get? So if we did that, the hardest thing about it... So we, we've done houseboats every year for a long time, and then COVID came. Last year, we did house no boats, which is we did some event. One was in, in, in Monterey. House no boats. House you no boats. House. Yeah. And then we... Um, and it was, it was great. The kids loved it. We were already having the formation of those youth discipleship groups. They were there. But on me, the logistics were off the charts. Every meal... Every piece of garbage. Right. Everybody's got to have a place to sleep. Everyone's got uh, that. The logistics that like a houseboats or a camp does are just um, they're worth the pay. It's very difficult to do all that stuff because when we did it, it almost killed me. And so uh, I, that would be something about the logistics of if you brought up a group of fifty kids and ten leaders, what would we? How would we? How would we live there is probably the biggest well, question. Well, we take care of all that facility yeah. and everything else. But, yeah. like, 
what type of stuff would we be able to do that would help people? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I think, Mike, is like, like they were talking about those five adults. Yeah. Well, that's an opportunity where like you guys could step in as one of those yep. three, right. or the other two, four a week. Right. Right? And really be pouring in. So seeing that role, not just like, oh, we're not just facilitating, we're not just giving hammers, giving direction. But how are we actually pouring into these kids for the next five days? Yeah. When we're, and, you know, are we doing it intergenerationally? Yeah. You know, are we being thoughtful and that kind of stuff? And so you're just partnering. It's a partnership for five days. It's not right. just, hey, your tools are over there, meals at this time, see you at the house at 8 o'clock. No, working. Right in the office. There's almost yeah. nothing better than working together. Yeah. Well, that's what I find. I mean, yeah. doing I do that with adults, and we do it with the kids that come even. Yeah. Because we do like a, we have a, a, a Bible study in the morning, and we have a, a different things at night that we do. But, like, you know, that interpersonal react, you know, that's awesome, you know. And I try to do that, but I probably need to do more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids are there. I, yeah. I think of the youth as being more energetic and they want to just do. Mm-hmm. But more of me pouring my life into them is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's like Josh Ship. Do you know Josh Ship? He's like a motivational speaker. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. He's got his one life. He said every, every youth is one carrying adult away, mm-hmm. changing their life. You know? yep. It's like, Oh, that's good. That, like that, that five days could totally, you know, because we might not be able to connect with them the way that you or someone on your team yep. can. And there's no better conversation than when you're both pounding nails up, <laughs> sheetrock together, standing next to each other. The amount of conversation that comes out, the realness of it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But I, I think the paradigm shift, too, just getting with that, is it's you're not connecting kids to programs. You're connecting them to relationships. Yeah. And, and, and into the word. And, and so it's a lot messier. It's a simple way to do it, but it's a lot messier because yeah. you're just saying you're looking at every single kid in your church yeah. and basically trying to match make to a certain degree of what's a quality adult who could speak into their life. Yeah. And then we'll change the trellis as much as we need to for the sake of the vine to make sure all those kids are in a quality discipleship relationship. And so our groups are weird, right? I mean, they meet at different times. Mm-hmm. They meet in different places. They do different things. None of them look exactly the same, mm-hmm. except that it's a it's an adult who's got character and mm-hmm. loves Jesus, who's in the Word with them. And, and they all have something to, to have fun. And there's food. And there's food. Yeah, that's the other non-negotiable. <laughs> food. Yeah, you got to have food. So I would say to your point, though, about, you know, I think there's going to be so much pent-up desire to be together coming out of this, right? Because... In our experience, we yeah. tried Zoom groups. Uh, oh, they were. And, and, and the 12 through 18, that demographic hates Zoom more than any demographic in our church. Because uh, they, they go to school on Zoom. They do everything on Zoom. I'm in that demographic. I hate it as much. You're too. like a 12 through 18 year old, too. Yeah. So, yeah, Greg, <laughs> Greg was all about you know breaking whatever law needed to be broken to not be on Zoom in the early days. Like, he was all about that. But, but that being said, like, I think. We have really come to a conviction that we don't want to use tech to reach kids yeah. because they're teched out. And, in fact, they're, they're so deep into it now. Well, tech, that, is, t- tech is ultimately isolating. Yeah. It goes the opposite direction. Uh, it, it, you get satisfaction by being by yourself and only showing yourself in a way that you show in tech. And people are curating their image and, you know, it's, it is not a real relationship. So it's an isolating thing. And you know, so, yeah. I know St. Angeles, I lived in St. Angeles for many years, but yeah. I'm still there, so yeah. St. Angeles, hi, my nephews, yeah, yeah. they had open cameras. San Francisco, no cameras. They said they came with quiet cameras to be turned on. Oh, so okay. guess what the students do? Don't keep the camera off, yeah, yeah. they're muted, you don't even know they're there. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it, it translates back to our Zoom session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know check out. Cameras off, we have no clue. Yeah. yeah. They only do that. Yeah. So I, I do the young adults group as well, lead that one, because that's a demographic that I think needs particular attention. As you come out of high school, where are you going to go? And then you're not, you, don't have, you don't have the come to, come to Jesus moment because you have kids. You know, they're, they're, they're not so, the, the, the pressure of life isn't the same in that way. And so I have uh, them, they meet at the house. And when COVID hit, um, we started doing it by Zoom. And it was just awful. It just we everyone's sitting there. We're 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 talking. We're doing kind of what we did, but we're talking through Zoom. And finally, one kid told me, one young man, he said, "I'm not coming anymore to Zoom. But if you meet in person, I'll do that." And I said, "That's what we'll do." And so the next week, I said, "The first twelve that sign up, we'll meet at the house. We'll meet outside. We can wear masks. We do whatever we need to do to feel comfortable about it." But it was actually one kid who was just sick of it. Because I would have kept going because everyone's doing it. Everyone was right. doing Zoom. But it really was, it was one kid that yeah, told me. Yeah, I was thinking about my young adult group. They would just stop coming. Yep. And like, we got to just at least once a month. We had to be in person. You know, goes up and down. But now we Zoom back to a much better assistant. Yeah. We were just dropping out and doing it. sick of it. Yeah. I, we didn't lose. We lost out, out of that group. We lost maybe two people because they were nervous about about COVID. Yeah. Once it was opened up, they all just saw, oh, we'll come. Yeah. The house was full again. You know, don't tell anybody. Don't call. Them. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep silent yeah. about this. We're yeah. we're way over the three households, <laughs> ten person Spike limit. Church, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, how do you tell you have a new family that rolls in on Sunday morning, right? Yeah. And they're expecting a very traditional, you know, they, whatever. How do you get them plugged into one when you're like, well, you don't have a youth group. We don't have a Sunday school. What's that process? Like? I think that that's our main pitfall. Yeah. We yeah. don't have a, a, a way to onboard somebody who's new into the church. We do have new people coming to the, the youth discipleship groups because the kids invite them. Yeah. But we don't have the ones where the parents are saying, you go to this thing. Yeah. We don't really have a way to do that. We might. We're, we're thinking of having kind of a, uh, have all the youth discipleship groups meet maybe once a quarter and have it be, you know, traditional in that way right. where it's all fun and stuff like that. And that could be an onboarding moment. But we don't really have that. Type. Yeah, yeah, so, so there, there's a trade-off, right? Oh, so, and that's, you know, life's about trade-offs, not solutions. And so the trade-off we've taken is we want our kids to grow up feeling like it's normal to go to church instead of the church. Yeah. And so a new family coming in, looking for traditional programming, they're going to leave. If they, if they really want my middle school through high schooler, if their goal is to get them in a Sunday school program every Sunday and a traditional program, there's plenty of great churches right down the street. And we've lost a few to that, but not as many as we thought. We haven't lost. I don't think we've lost any. We have some that double dip. Yeah, we have, we have a few. I mean, like, so, like, my daughter, she goes to another, she's in a youth discipleship group, and she'll periodically go to the mega church down the street to the youth group because all her friends go there and keep inviting her. Fine. You can go. We're, we will never be able to compete with what they pull off at their Wednesday night. So we're not going to compete with that. Like, but they're not competing. They're, they're not competing with what she has either. You know, right. two well, and, two adults just pouring into her. So. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm fine with her yeah. occasionally going that. <laughs> but yeah, good point. I, it, that's under the word pitfall. That's the pitfall. Yeah, we haven't. <laughs> yeah, so onboarding has been tough, and then I don't think we've done a great. I have not done a great job 
of just communicating the vision of intergenerational discipleship or parents discipling their kids on a consistent basis and creating language around that, how we do that. Greg has done a great job of putting together resources, and I think you've really invested in that. It's just hard to get parents to buy in. Mm -hmm. So we've done... We've tried to address needs for parent discipleship, right? And so someone in the last session was talking about parents like Justin, or adults like just-in-time learning. Yeah, right? yeah. Like they like the learning they need right now. They don't want to get educated. <laughs> they need to be prepared right for something. Yeah. So, so we did. It was the discipleship. Yeah. yeah. So, so basically hit the pain point in their life and then try to teach to it, right? So Greg did has done a great job. We created this thing called STEM for parents, right? And so it's education, but it's a... Uh, it's just four issues that'll cause your kids to leave the faith. And so S is a science and faith and just, you know, how do you integrate these things? T is just tech and how Technology. to be tech-wise. Uh, and then E is going to be essentials of parenting, right? Yeah. And just how to be a parent who doesn't drive your kids away from the faith. And then M is going to be marriage and sexuality and, and just how do you deal with those kind of identity issues. And so we'll teach those kind of STEM courses throughout the year just because they hit on pain points where... Like, here are the things, here are the reasons kids walk away. Um, and so try to address those. There's some traction with them, not great traction. Yeah, we haven't I, done it in two years, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We yeah. might get through that. Bible Minute. Yeah, and then the Bible Minute, yeah. Yeah, and then the other great thing Greg designed over COVID was just, we wanted to give our parents a resource that was like the simplest way to catechize your kids, basically. Like, you know, just so this is like super basic. If you want to talk about the Bible with your kids, so he created 65 verses. 65 verses. You just pick, here's 65 verses you should know and memorize. And then each one has four or five questions. Five questions, yeah. Yeah, and so it's something you can read it and talk about the five questions in, you know, less than five minutes at your dinner table. And kind of our thought was, and you email it to us, I mean, every day. Email it, and then also we made little flashcards that can use them as well. right. And so it's just a really simple tool that if parents are like, what do I do, do this? And then if you're like, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, you know, I don't think there's anything simpler we could give you uh, than that. But it's a way to memorize the Bible with your family. and uh, Study it a little bit. Study a little bit. And, you, and you're, you're excellent at just harassing emails. All the time. Once you sign up for it, you get a verse every day. It turns out, about, turns so. out it was actually family pester, not family pastor. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I didn't know that that was the title. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'd be curious to hear from y'all yeah, yeah. in youth ministry. What have you found over COVID? What, where are you getting traction? What would you like to do coming out of it differently? Um, what sucks about our model? You can tell us that too. Like that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow, I mean, I love it. Archon is a little different. I mean, I'm here at Valley. Oh, nice. Um, and so I came in right during the pandemic. I've been doing the ministry for a long time, but came oh, wow. in for a year, a year ago now. Um, and so one of my big pivots was just the program looking more discipleship group. Yeah. So we'll still do the midweek program. Yeah. But how do we allocate those two hours? And mm-hmm. so we're breaking up on campus. So it's great. The majority of that time is that. Mm-hmm. So. A little different model, but similar uh, harping, I would say. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So I just want to say we, what was with COVID, we just started with the Sunday school. And then we, of course, it was completely remote, and then we stopped to Zoom on site. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that point, we're trying to church. So we technically, what happened is we have a church plan with another church. So we moved our English adult so okay. off to another church. So we basically don't have English service. 
So and when we resumed that, then I, we started a youth worship. Of course, we didn't have many youth to start with. Many of them stayed home. So we now went to Sunday school. And because uh, well, so I just started, I want to start more like a fellowship, brand name of the worship. But then COVID hit. At that point, when we were doing the switch over, so when we soon back and kind of like South Sunday school, so we kind of going like the tradition model, Sunday school, and then the youth worship. And the realization I agree with that is just barely could get them here in Sunday school and they just kind of dying and you know dozing off. And now we got half an hour break, have them lunch, play a little bit, draw, try to bring them back, they ain't coming back. Because yeah. they bored. They won't mm -hmm. they won't be bored twice. They won't, they won't be bored twice. <laughs> so which one do I wear? Don't want to be bored twice. Right. <laughs> so you know, I think you know my realization is, you know, I wanna do something more again. Are you guys do? So I was thinking about but I know some people that's like like that traditional more recently school and then that the, the word the you push here. Yeah. Because I'm trying to get some of the adults to come, so we'll be in generation. Yeah. But it'll be primary for the youth, you know. So I, I try and do what you guys are doing in a sense that kind of have the fellowship aspect. And the traditional sense is just teach and teach and teach. We still teach the Bible, but yeah. in a more discussion aspect. So I'm trying to move to that. So mm, I right. kind of just move some stone, no, I mean, boulder out the way. Yeah. You got that. But no, I hear you guys. I kind of. We soon went what I was started when I first planned the thing before COVID hit us. So now I went mm -hmm. back to the traditional world just because I'm in, he's in. Now I have to remove everything, go back what I wanted to do. I appreciate you guys because I kind of give me the idea back. Because yeah. I was like, oh gosh, they're dying. I'm going to lose them in two years by the end of the year. Yeah. 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 So you're I'm fighting. They're not going to fight the friends because it's not me going out to school and trying to fight them. They're not going to come. Right. You know, it's the friend fighting each other. That's yeah, friends, friends. Pro, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna get back to that. So you guys would help me out to kind of get my thinking straight. Mm. Right? Like my wife and I was talking just last night. We gotta do something about this. Yeah. Well, great. You're fighting also parents' expectations and. And you know, they—they they, if your parents all had been in youth groups, and that's been the great model that they exper that they experienced, and they want their kids to experience. This is a, just a different time. Yeah, I, it's, it's we, we're exactly this that. is it's a funny, different world. It's, it's yeah. It's funny, like this website is school, and I was having a youth vision meeting with the parents and the church leaders. I call it. Some of the parents come. What's the difference between Sunday school and worship? Why should we have worship for the kids? <laughs> They were asking why to have worship for the kids. Yes. Yeah. It's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, hmm. I was like, oh, I never expect that question. Because we worship because we believe. And he's worthy of worship. Yeah. And I expect mature Christians to realize that if they are telling worship, they believe the kids are believers. Why won't they want to worship now? So it kind of got me thinking like, okay. So, I, yeah, it's the other way around. Mm. So, but, you know, mm. yeah. They don't have traditional youth worship experience, but they, like, they I don't know what the expectation is, so it's all on the map. I want to get your card, because that idea is really cool. Yeah, we'd love to have you. I, I, you know, I really. I want one idea. Yeah, I like something with you. To do something that's valuable and not youth directed, I, I think that yeah. that's but it's that they so can fun. do it. Right. Yeah, like you're taking them out of their environment. 
yeah. right? So that they're more susceptible or yep. acceptable, yeah. receptive of yeah. what is being told or taught, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, they like it only you talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just about fun, just, I might say, you guys agree, we all agree, I think most, most of us, if you use fun, there's something always more fun out there. Than well, you have to keep winning on the fun. That's that's the challenge. I'm all about fun. It's just it's got to be the it can't be the substance of it. Yes, I think it's you know I don't know going to grown up church once you're 19, 20. It's like that's not that's boring. It's not. (laughs) Well, yeah, you got to get how how do you? I mean, we talk a lot about developing a taste for the real thing. Is kind of what we talk about a lot. So it's like get them in the word earlier, get them in real fellowship earlier, get them in the bigger church earlier because it'll make that transition that much easier. So. Well, and when they're participating in something, too, it means it's more meaningful for the kids than me, too. You know, I mean, I used to be involved in youth group and stuff. Yeah. And I always knew, like, when I got them involved in something, mm-hmm. they bought into it big time. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the some of our most critical Sunday volunteers are in high school, yeah. probably, honestly, in terms of worship, children's, I mean. So they're super valuable assets to have, so. Connor, any thoughts? Anything you've learned? Yeah. So I, I'm from Wisconsin originally, so I didn't do you through, uh, I wasn't a youth pastor in Wisconsin or anything. Um, the churches in our area in Wisconsin, they have big youth groups and people just go to church you know, yep. on Sunday yeah. and all their kids go to church. So like when they have youth group on, on Wednesdays, um, the parents have Bible study at the same time. And so they're dropping all their kids off at uh, youth group. <laughs> Me for coming here from Wisconsin and, and California and also not having any experience in youth ministry, I um, was at a church that had a youth group before, but none of the kids returned from, because whatever happened with the former youth pastor. Um, wow. It was n- nothing bad, but yeah. she had uh, differences with the leadership team. Yeah. Anyways, my first youth group, I had one kid, you know, and so <laughs> now I have about 10 to 15 kids. Awesome. After, awesome. after about two years, two and a half years. And so it was just Great. fantastic. And I've lost a lot of kids. And um, and God's brought more when I was like, oh, I need to reach more kids and this and that. God's brought them. And then I realized that he's just, um, what God's told me is just focus on ministering to the kids that I, the people that you have yep. in front of you. And so um, I've learned um, two things with ministering to the kids in the youth group is, uh, that, that works. It's asking questions related to, because we do discussions and I, it's an open, I like to keep it an open dialogue. Yep. And so I just say, I ask questions about the Bible so that the kids can talk. And so yep. oftentimes I realize if I'm talking too much, they're yeah. they just start they, they yep. not, you know. And so um, asking questions is, is huge. And also using illustrations. Those are the two things that I, that I use. Um, That's great. Um, that's in the work with the kids. That's great. Yeah. Well, and that's an important point about context too that you bring up, right? Like, if we were in the Midwest and like people would legitimately come to church four or five times a week, we might restructure this whole thing in terms of what we could do, right? I think for us in the Bay, we've kind of it's like okay, if we get two shots a week to connect with kids, or whatever, yeah, or one, like what are we going to put all of our, you know? you know, chips in. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, so it's, it's not for every context. And the place we have more time, it's awesome. And we have, you know, we have a small church. It's, our congregation is like 22, 20 to, 25 to 50 people. Yeah. Roughly. Um, older, older uh, 
couples and stuff. And so uh, me and my wife are like the youngest people oh, in the church. Not a, one, actually one kid, one one or two kids maybe. After in my youth group, their parents actually go to church. All of them are unchurched. Mm. Wow. wow. So you're just a missionary. Yeah, it's yeah, just mission. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 nothing. I'm not. It's nothing that I'm used to. You know, I've never seen anything like it. Like it's a back in Wisconsin. Just go to church. And in fact, I was just in Wisconsin. I just flew back. We wish that happened. Yeah. I just flew back on uh, on Saturday from when I was visiting family for a week and a half. And you know, you drive Sunday, you drive down the road, and there's like there's tons of churches, and they're just packed, all of them. Yeah, you just go to church. And I don't know if it's like I said, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing because I don't know if it's um, authentic. A lot of people maybe come to. Well, well, I don't know if they have authentic relationships with. Uh, with Christ, and, right. or whether they just as part of what their family do, they just go to church on Sunday, and it's part of their routine. Right. Um, and so, oh, yeah. I don't know, but it's it's definitely different um, from what I'm used to. The, those surveys that said between 50 and 90 percent of you people in youth groups walk away in college includes all those Wisconsin churches. Oh, yeah. I, right. it, 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 it is still a, an issue with in America. At least in our culture, about whether we retain, are, are we actually making disciples yeah, in the youth? Yeah. yeah. So you're you're wondering if do they have real relationships and all that? That's a good wonder because you don't know. You don't yeah. know other. What's yep. going? But you've got a youth group of kids, ten kids in a church of twenty five people. Yeah. No, I know. So, yeah. 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 That's a re- that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. You're doing something right. Yeah. No kidding. 100% of the kids in your in, in your congregation are going. You're one of one. 100%. That's a good number. Yeah. You need to get more families into the church. Yeah. Well, this is the way that happens. Yeah. Kids are a good start. They used to call it basket. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. One kid's come to someone book on last year. She's keep coming. And the mom had to pick right? So... And she listened, she took because the mom would go to our, our service. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of weeks, she said she wanted to know more about the gospel. So we needed to find someone one on one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She got saved this year. Wow. So last year, then we started doing discipleship with one on one as well. Yeah. So she's growing. Uh, she's going into the church, so she goes to other fellowships as well. So it's a successful story. So that's what sometimes the parents bring the kids sometimes the kids bring the parents yeah so we do it both ways yeah. 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 yeah and I would say that's the other pitfall of this model is you know we don't have a lot of traction in our schools right now um, part of it's our kids aren't in public schools a lot of them in our area so they're all just dispersed right they're in private homeschool charter school but they're we don't have a hub right it would be awesome you know if we live in a world where 90% of our kids were at Sandlander High, there'd be tons of ministry opportunities right there, but it's just not. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it easier to not do a youth group model, honestly, mm-hmm. because they're all in different schools. Yeah, so I don't know if your context is like that. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're similar. I mean, like, yeah, we have, there's like three high school drivers, so we're kind of messing with all. So I'll have, you know, statistic number, and I'll still have that number in three or four months, but it'll be a different one. Yeah. Because track season, you know, so I get yep. all the football players yep. back, and now the track kids are gone, you know. Yep. So, yeah. so I got this kind of revolutionary moving <laughs> group, you know, depending on what season it is. Yeah, well, in high schools are insanely busy. Yeah, <laughs> like I wasn't that busy in high school. Like, oh, exactly. how busy these yeah. kids are. Yeah. Oh, so. you and me, those school. My boys decided to join the 
football team, <laughs> it was basketball team, now it's volleyball team, soccer team is next. <laughs> so I've been driving them all the games. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I was in, like when I was in youth, even at like a public school or whatever, Wednesday was like sacred. Like no one practiced, no one had games. Like there's not a sacred night anymore. No. Like, no. Sundays aren't sacred either. No, exactly. No, yeah. Yeah. It used to be like, okay, hey, like, even the public schools would respect, like, we'll let the churches have Wednesday. That's not the case at all. Yeah, no, because I that was yeah. that was the context. I was a middle school director in SoCal and it was, you know, you have Awana through high school on Wednesday night, and then you have all your adult Bible fellowships on Wednesday night, it was the same thing, and it's like, why change this model? It's, this is your one stop shop, you know? And uh, and so, yeah. You know, being the family pastor too, I'll put another plug in. Mm. We've had families come up too. Like mm. Father, mother, and a couple of daughters. And, you know, right. a daughter and a son. And so, it, which has been really great because you see them a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll get your card. So I'm interested in bringing my uh, youth group up to someone. I really want to do something with them in somewhere. Because we have vacation, Bible school, and most of the kids. Church kid doesn't go. To be honest, so yeah. but we got a lot of opportunity around the neighborhood kids. So we That's great. Try to keep. Um, we don't keep a lot, but we try to keep at least two or three. Then we call it success out of 60, 80 kids. Mm-hmm. Right? But we do everything we could. But then you know, youth could what do we do with them? You know, they are not there, mm-hmm. so I do something with them. So I feel mm-hmm. like it's not just fun trip. We can do fun and do something like that. That would be more meaningful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I like the meaningfulness of it. It's great. Yep. Yeah. Cool. I've never had that thought. That's great. I mean, I've been <laughs> thinking about this. So, yeah, I, I think the big takeaway for us is just figure out what works and reverse engineer your youth ministry based on what actually contributes to kids staying in the faith and be willing to change the trellis for the vine but uh, yeah and it's going to be different you know where you are we're very urban yeah. very very distant people live in different cities and yeah. not a lot of connection and, and so I mean that that'll change your answer if if you're a small town and everybody knows each other it's a, it changes your answer yeah. exactly yeah. alright alright thanks everybody yeah